All right. Good morning, Ingrid. It is so nice to have you here. And you are the first interview for this podcast that I'm doing now that I've transitioned. Our family has transitioned to moving to Poland for one year, which is exciting for me. It's hard to schedule, but I'm so glad it works out. And I'm excited to learn more about you. So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, because I think it's so cool, is just tell me a little bit about your business, where you're at now with, with your current business. Absolutely. So um, I started Project Idea, a, well, technically a year and a half ago, but really sort of out of the gate a, a little over a year ago, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and our sort of focus um, is really on students with disabilities in schools, K-12, which is the special education system. And um, we are trying to improve that system. Um, really by working on the ground with schools um, and um, really what it has sort of become um, a little bit, it's sort of like thinking about why teachers are leaving the profession um, because they're leaving special education positions more than others. Why are they leaving and trying to find some creative solutions um, to break down those barriers to hopefully make them wanna stay in the field. Um, and to keep doing amazing work for kids. So that's kind of the crux of it. Um, and we're doing a variety of different services for schools. We're working directly with individual schools, school networks, um, district schools, um, all kinds of different folks that are interested in partnering with us. Um, and it's going really well. We have um, a couple of full-time staff and a couple of part-time staff. Um, and then we're still using some contractors. So it's been a lot. It's been a lot, it's been a lot in one year. I think myself included, I've, I've had a couple of businesses, but they're always solopreneur type of um, businesses so far um, and contract work, I guess, with Mama Bird now that we're doing. But the concept of having employees and growing so quickly and like you're doing is very intimidating. Uh, we'll get more into your background in a little bit, but how was it? It sounds like you're very in demand. You started something that obviously was very needed. How has it been for you just kind of mentally, emotionally growing so quickly and, and having to dive in so quick? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, right? So that's always <laughs> really interesting. Um, and I think it's especially difficult. Yes, we're in very high demand, which is like an unfortunate reflection on the state of education. Um, so definitely recognize that. Um, and yeah, like learning how to, you know, build the systems of a business in addition to building the systems that are going to support schools, because obviously we, you know, I have a really great team, but we need to be consistent about how we're doing things. And so building sort of two parallel systems at one time um, has been challenging. Um, and I think the other thing is trying to do it out of the gate in like a way that prioritizes equity and like modeling for schools, how we want to be. Um, it's the right thing to do, but it just like adds another layer of um, you know, we take a very, like, we take a very different approach to hiring, we take a different approach to pay and things like that. And, and I don't have a lot of good models out there. If anybody knows of people that are trying to disrupt sort of traditional systems in that way, let me know. 
Um, but all of those things are difficult to execute and we're definitely not there. We have a lot of work to go to make sure that the systems that we're creating really not only like are equitable, but actually break down some of the, you know, systemic generational robbery of um, indigenous people and, um, you know, the history of our country, essentially. Can you really simplistically explain what exactly your business is doing? Dumb it, dumb it way down for me. I know it's, I'm sure it's very complex, <clears throat> but can you, I know that in the educational system is very complex and special education. Yeah. So I come from an education background. Um, I've taught in, in middle and high school for 10 years now. And it's, I know that special ed especially has way more paperwork than other teachers do, which is still a lot. And then there's just extra layers that they have to deal with, which I see exactly what you are uh, seem to be helping with this burnout in the special ed teachers, burnout in regular teachers, core teachers is now yep. really insanely high, but, but special ed. So can you tell me, kind of explain simply what you guys are doing? Yeah. So we are coaching teachers. Um, and the idea behind that is that there's just not that much expertise, not enough expertise in the special education world to give access to teachers to really quality, quality coaching um, from real experts. Um, and what I think and how that sort of relates is um, nobody likes to be bad at their job. And many special education teachers, they love their kids, they love their schools, um, and they don't feel successful because they don't actually know how to look at data to find the root cause of a kiddo's um, you know, struggle and then address that with really strong instruction and to like actually see that growth. And so, you know, our, our hypothesis is that when you get there and when you actually start to see that growth, it actually makes the job much more enjoyable. Um, it's one of the reasons why I left teaching. Um, I just never felt like I got good enough and it wasn't very fun. Um, I loved the kids, but like caring for kids and educating kids are two very different things. And kids are at school to get an education and to get an, get a, you know, the right education for them. So we do coaching. Um, we also do a lot to sort of support with looking at data and um, doing a lot of, this is an interesting piece, um, but it's very helpful. If you are a special education teacher, you have like the, you have everything a teacher has, plus you have all of these deadlines and tasks and paperwork. And so we are actually taking that off the plates of, of teachers and doing that ourselves. Um, and so we have a admin specialist that we've hired to sort of implement a system of case management that basically, you know, really sort of takes that cognitive lift off of all those little send the consent home, send the this home, you know, make sure everyone's coming to the meeting to really free up sort of the cognitive space to do what they need to do, which is, you know, learning and growing in their practice. So those are sort of the three big things. Um, we also have a side of our business that's just sort of getting going, which is um, our standard operating procedures. So um, we... I found when I worked in Denver public schools that there's just so many, like literally so many processes that special education teachers have to execute. And, you know, they're not going to get it all in a PD at the beginning of the year. It's, and, and in order to be consistent, um, 
we, you really have to have these things documented. So we did a bunch of documentation for DPS um, when I worked there. And now we're starting to do it for other districts where we really break down processes and not only set the expectation, but then show people how to do it. So they get the support um, and the expectation. And that has been a lot more, I think, successful when people are trying to, you know, roll out something that they, okay, we want everyone to change the way that they're doing something. How are we going to do that? We need to make sure that we are supporting them through resources and support tools, um, being explicit about the expectation and then how to meet it. So those are, um, those are sort of the big things that we're working on and expanding with um, as we move into the fall. One of my um, dreams in the world would be that if everyone could go into the classroom and have to teach for a short period of time, I think as a society we would treat we would treat teachers so much better. But maybe yeah. they would find success if they had if they had supports from that level. Um, what are before we jump back into to how you got to this point? Tell me, please, one thing that really you just found out you love from the business side of things or running the business, and then one thing that is that is not your favorite. <laughs> um, I can do the not my favorite first. <laughs> I don't like I the budgeting and like the worrying about finances is really stressful and um and also just like the nature of you know the you know you have the budgeting and the the this and you know I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully being privileged enough to get to a day when I can turn that over to somebody else um because that really stresses me out um another one of the things that I do really love I don't like sales I don't like selling people things, but I do love talking to people about what we are doing. And, you know, generally there's, uh, you know, hope that that leads to something. But I, whenever I talk to people, like the things that we're doing really resonate with people. And um, I think there's a lot of people that recognize that this type of work is really important. And so that is super exciting to me. I love like the networking component of it talking to people about what we are doing and sort of showing them why I think it can like make their lives better, um, which is why I liked being, you know, like why I sort of came into this field in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree with you on both those counts. I think the money side of things and stress it out, especially when you're supporting other people or they're, um, they're you're responsible for, for making enough money so that you can pay them. I think that's a yeah. stressor that I haven't had to, to deal with yet, but I can't imagine how much that does stress you, especially if you're coming from nowhere to, to now be doing it and not really building up. You're built up so fast. And then the sales part I get with you too is, and I always say that I think that people think of sales as such a sleazy profession, but if you're doing professional sales and you're selling something you truly believe in and you love and you know will make a difference, then it's very valiant. You need the people mm -hmm. to understand you so that you can help them. So I, I um, see both those points and, and appreciate both of them. Okay, take me way back. How did you get to this point? Take me, where, are you from Colorado originally? Where did you grow up? Nope, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, and I, so I, I, yeah, grew up in upstate New York in a small little suburban town. Um, and went to school in Boston. And then I was kind of like wanting to do something different. So I went to Seattle. Um, I lived in Seattle for a year. I worked at a marine construction company, like doing office management. Um, and then I decided I still, 
um, much to the disappointment of my family, was not ready to like enter sort of a real career path. Um, and so I spent some time traveling in Central and South America for about six months, came back very broke. Um, and so um, I went to back to live at my house and started substitute teaching at my mother's school. And that was it. I was like always tagged into being a special education teacher sub. And um, I decided to that that was something that I was super interested and passionate about. Um, and so that was kind of it. I taught in New York to start with. So I did a program called the New York City Teaching Fellows, um, which basically puts totally ill-prepared teachers in classrooms doing a very important job that they are not able to do very well. Um, so I have a lot of feelings about, you know, programs like that. Um, but I, you know, at the end of the day was, I loved teaching. <clears throat> I loved working with kids. Um, and so at, when we moved to Colorado, um, I took a couple of years off to like work part-time. I had a baby, um, that was kind of big, you know, <laughs> um, and that's when I started work, like dabbling in leadership. I went, then I went back to the classroom because I was like, I really need to like teach in Colorado to really understand sort of how it works here. Um, and then uh, after that year, I went into leadership at one of the local um, charter school networks. Um, I worked there for five years. And then I worked at DPS in the central office overseeing all of the charter schools for special education. And then I, then I was done and I started Project IDEA. It was always kind of percolating. Um, the, the SOP work that we did at DPS was really like, wow, like people really, people either love them or hate them because they're very detailed, right? And so but just the idea that like people could access knowledge that it, they didn't have to call somebody, they didn't, and, and there's lots of, there's lots of ways that they can be better. But this idea that like, we're all speaking the same language, and I can hold you accountable to this knowledge, as well as you can hold me accountable. So it really helped us, in my view, build trust with schools. We were all sort of speaking the same language, and that came out of all of the work we put into these documents. And that was like, huh, I wonder if do other people have these? Like, what is that about? Um, and then, you know, that wasn't going into 2020, 2021, 22 school year. That wasn't what people were focused on. People were like in panic mode. And so that wasn't the first service we started with because people just really needed help on the ground. Um, and so that's what we started to do and started to like develop those systems and really think about how to support schools at that level. And so now we're starting to, you know, explore other areas and getting back to some of the original spark of Project IDEA. I definitely want to get more on, on Project IDEA and, and, and really how you kind of mentally made that leap too to, to start your own business, especially, well, I'm sure you had the idea before COVID hit, but then how that impacted you. But take me back to traveling 
because I'm a huge fan of traveling. I didn't do it when I was younger, however. Um, me and my wife got married when I was about 30, and that's when we traveled mostly around Europe, but we went to Peru because mm -hmm. I had a cousin got married in Peru. Can you just tell me how traveling like that, it sounds like for a long period of time, how you were broke, so it changed your monetary <laughs> views, but, but how about just like your mindset and things in that nature? Oh, yeah. I had already, I had done some travel in, um, I had done some travel with like some university groups that did um, what's called like an immersion trip where you go um, to a Central American country. And it's really about, it's not about like doing stuff for them, but really like being in community with um, folks from other countries and understanding like how they live. So you live with a host family and it's a, it's a pretty transformative experience, I think for um, college age students. Um, and it was definitely for me, I had definitely sort of been exposed to social injustice and poverty and things like that before. Um, and was originally, so when I, I worked at, or I went to Boston college, which is a very sort of service oriented Catholic university. Um, I'm not Catholic, but I actually really like developed a healthy sort of appreciation, I think, for um, the Jesuit, like sort of philosophy and faith, which is really about service. Um, and so while I was there, um, I took a course called Pulse. And it was this combination of philosophy, theology, and um, service. So you went into the community and worked like 10 hours per week. Um, which is a lot of service. Um, so you're sort of really embedding yourself in a community. And I worked at a domestic violence shelter um, during that time. And that sort of, I had always been sort of, you know, like interested in and concerned about justice issues, but that sort of really launched my like activist side, I guess I would say. So um, did a lot of, um, you know, like marching at BC. Um, I ended up my senior year, I worked on a, um, I worked on a van that used to bring, um, sandwiches to the two folks that were unhoused all around the city. So we bring sandwiches and socks and stuff. Um, and I like, that was super eye opening for me. Um, it was, we worked overnight. So I was going to school and then, you know, like I, <laughs> say goodbye to my friends and like go at like 10 o'clock and be back at like six o'clock in the morning. Um, one time I even saw my friends out, which was like, <laughs> like I was delivering sandwiches, you know, and they're out on the town on a Saturday night, sort of, <laughs> um, you know, doing what college seniors do, um, which was an interesting like juxtaposition of like experiences. Um, so I've always been like very interested in issues of um, social justice. I marched against the Iraq war. That was my first like really big march in New York. Um, I participated in an illegal banner drop at Boston College <laughs> for LGBTQIA rights because we went to a Catholic university and that was like a big deal at the time. Um, and so that, yeah, so I've always sort of had that sort of side to me. Um, so when I spent time traveling, I, you know, I 
I was like a in denial introvert. Like I was like, I'm going to do this. Of course I'm going to do this. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I like really like struggled with it because I was on my own. Um, I met a friend and we traveled together for a while. Um, and that was really great. But like, I learned a lot about myself and like what I, who I am and what I like. I, I stayed with a host family in Guatemala for like the first month while I was learning English so that, or learning Spanish more. Um, so I was trying to really get good at Spanish. That was one of the reasons that I wanted to go. And then I realized that like every country speaks very different Spanish. And so like, I got great with Guatemalan, you know, like the Spanish that they speak in Guatemala. And then I couldn't understand anything when I got to Honduras. So it was like, ah, um, so I didn't like, I didn't like become as fluent as I would have liked when I was down there. Um, but it was definitely a very, I would say, I would say I like all of the things about, you know, what it's like in a country that most of the people make a dollar a day or like, like that, that wasn't so new to me, but the, the like self journey of like realizing who I am and like, maybe I don't like to travel by myself. <laughs> like, that's okay. Um, you know, or like, I need to set myself up for success in different ways. Um, so it was, it was good. I don't know if it was what I thought it was going to be, but I was very like proud that I did it. But I think it was at a time in my life where I was like more excited to say that I did it than I really was to do it, if that makes sense. So I, I love traveling. Um, but traveling by myself, um, as like, a as an introvert that like really like thrives on connection was really, was really hard. And, and not because I, oh, how do I say this? I have trouble like meeting people. And when I meet people, I like get, I'm very extroverted and like, you know, conversational and I can, you know, do anything, but um like traveling by myself um as someone that like struggles to make social connection was really hard i'm like an extroverted i'm extroverted introvert or introverted extrovert i don't know which one it is but i'm one of those i'm not i'm not ever i never fall into one category or the other i'm always like you're kind of this and you're kind of that so well this is a perfect follow up question to that then too um, you've done pretty amazing things in your life, like that traveling, even though you well, it may not have been what you thought it was going to be. But the fact that you did it, I'm sure you look back and you're proud of it for that reason, too, because for whatever reason, you you survived it and, and did it and have that to look back on and learn from. And I think through failure or through things not going the way you want yeah. them to go, you learn so much more. Um, how has your confidence been throughout your life? You seem like a confident person now, certainly, and I'm sure that ebbs and flows. Um, self, self, like your self-assurance, your confidence, how, how has that looked throughout your life? Do you feel that you were born that way or what do you think? Oh, uh, definitely not. I doesn't take much for me to get on one of those shame spirals. That's for sure. Um, I, I was like, I was a very quiet kid in class. Um, very sort of timid, but also had very like high expectations coming from my parents. So sometimes I think I like stepped outside of the box or stepped outside of my comfort zone because I felt like I had to more than like I really wanted to, um, which as a parent now is like a really interesting thing. Um, as I'm looking at my children and thinking about like, you know, how to approach their sort of in 
introvertedness sometimes. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't, high school was not awesome. Like I was definitely, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever been super confident. Um, I definitely like grew a lot. Um, but when I entered the professional world, like I got my butt kicked so much, like really got my butt kicked as a teacher, um, as, but mostly like in leadership, like when I started, um, when I started in leadership, it, it really was like, oh my gosh, like I had never had that experience of failure very much. Um, you know, I was very successful in school and, um, so leadership was really hard and I struggled a lot and it sort of, it sort of like took a while to recover from that. Um, and that experience, I think really sort of, it helped me grow a lot, but it also helped me, um, like develop a more healthy sort of professional, like way of, um, thinking about, you know, business and, and education. And I definitely, I think that probably has been one of the things that's led me to want to create something really different with Project Idea. Um, there are organizations out there that put a tremendous amount of pressure on people. And, um, you know, that, that was all fine and good, but I was, I was really pretty like broken after that. And, um, and that sort of like healing process and then working and then going to another place where it was like as bad in the opposite kind of way. Um, just for my, for me personally, not like a bad place, but just like, then it was kind of like, wow, I'm really struggling to be successful in places where like, I can't be myself. I, you know, I care about things that it doesn't seem to like other people care about. Like my integrity is being compromised regularly. Like I just like, and that really, I think tipped it for me in terms of sort of trying to go out on my own is like, I'm struggling to do it other people's ways. <laughs> so, so why don't I try my way? And um, not that there is like, you know, m my way is like being inclusive and like, you know, really being intentional about the way that we're building this and, tr and, and trying to um, trying to like figure out what does it look like to do it differently, which I think is hard, but it's worth it. I think so far <laughs> jury's out. <laughs> I think that one of the things when you talked about raising your kids, and I think that that uh, both with raising our children, but also with, um, being in the classroom and in schools and education and mentorship. Um, and especially for me with mentorship from my students from, marginalized communities, it is a very tricky balance. So many people that I see successful in our society were pushed ridiculously hard by their parents, often to the point where they have poor relationships with their parents. And then that drives them to be even more successful in our society and more and more and more or be hyper-focused and really good at one thing because they're trying to earn somebody's love or whatever it is. 
and it's such a tricky balance because I want my children to be able to choose any path and my students to be able to choose any path. But if they're not prepared for it, or they haven't gone through the fires, all these things, then they may not be ready for it to be able to, to thrive in those situations. So I certainly haven't found that balance yet. For my own personal children, I think that basically just due to their privilege that they're born in, they're going to be fine and be able to, to choose whatever path they go on. Um, but for my students who don't have that same privilege, it's hard because I want to push them. I also see so much greatness inside them, but at the same time, I, they've got so much other things that they're dealing with. And so they may break yeah. under that pressure. And so I think it's a long game and I need to do, do better with that with patience. But the school year is so it's a year you have all these things that you need to hit in that year. You're hyper focused in the moment. And especially for educators, my wife's a middle school teacher, bless her heart. And like that you get them in a tough year and that sixth grade year. And that's when you get them. And I was teaching in business, both business and film, which I taught. And I got, I had students for sometimes up to seven years. I would have them their whole middle school and high school career. So I could see that growth over the course of time, which I think a lot of what they just need is time. Um, but saying all that, I, I don't think there's an answer to that yet. But with Project Idea, to go back to, to what you're doing, um, how did you have the confidence then to start your own business with all of this? How did, where did that come from? Or what was that process like? How long did it take you to kind of pull the trigger on that? Um, yeah, it, it, so I sort of had the idea sort of, I started working with, um, a business coach and just trying to understand like, you know, what, what is this world and like how, might I fit into it? And what does that look like? And that was really helpful because at some point she was like, I don't, it doesn't really seem like a lot of people are doing this. Like who's your competition. And like, there are certainly people nationally that are doing, you know, it's hard to know how similar, but like, you know, similar types of things and lots of people working to improve special education, but not just not a lot that are thinking about it this way. Um, the, and I think part of that is because by the time you get to this point, there are a lot of people that are trying to get out of schools, and I get that. And we're actually trying to get back into schools in a different way. And, you know, we call ourselves sort of a consultant firm, but we're really not because we are on the ground and really getting messy and it is very messy, but, but I feel deeply that like that's really where the work is um, and needs to happen and side by side with people and and really it is messy work um, and I think our our partnerships already have shown us that like it can sometimes get harder before it gets better and like there's really difficult conversations and interactions and realizations that need to happen um, and it's worth it you know and and we're lucky that we provide a lot of like knowledge and like just help along the way while we're having these difficult sort of conversations. Um, and so, yeah, so going back, like I was, you know, sort of on this path of like, how would I start this? What would I do? I can't really, you know, because of my current, because of the position that I had, I couldn't really like start until I couldn't start really while I was working. And so there was a point that I just, some stuff happened at work and it was like, and I'm done. <laughs> and I, it was a couple months earlier than I had planned. 
And I just sort of said, like, I'm one of those people that when I'm done, like, it was like, I got off a Zoom call one day and I submitted my letter of resignation the next. Like, it was like, oh, I do not align with this, you know, with what is happening right now. And then it's a very serious point. And so I'm, I'm done. And um, that kind of like ending isn't super surprising <laughs> to me because that's kind of like, I work really hard to make things work. And then when it feels like it's clear to me that it's not going to work for some reason, it's like, then I'm like, so done. It's not even funny. <laughs> How far from you quitting after that Zoom call to getting your first contract was it that you could kind of feel a little, maybe, a, you know, finally be able to breathe again? What was that time frame like? I was contract hoarding um, because I was so nervous about everything. Um, it was maybe six weeks, which is, it is, and it was, it was a big contract and it was like, oh, <laughs> like this is, yeah. The, and I, it's like one of those things where I know we are super lucky. Like there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of just like the state of education contributing to this. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I'd like to think that we're going to have other challenges rather than sort of some of the typical growth challenges that some businesses have. I mean, now that we're going, growth is really, it's not, it feels like, okay, scaling, which is like bigger than, which is like bigger than growing. Right. So like, okay, what is, what is scaling and what does that, I mean, I, I've used those words before and now it's like, okay, um, you know, how do we have a bigger impact and make sure that we continue to like, can, you know, continue to be incredibly like principled and um, it, uncompromising and how we do things. Cause we do have a very different um, way of, of like approaching special education. And it's a lot, I'm finding it's a lot. And, and I knew this, but working with people, it's a lot different than people are used to. And I think it's the right way to do things. But, um, you know, that, like, not compromising on that, I think, you know, it has been a challenge and will continue to be a challenge because there's this like, urgency to like get stuff done, right. And people just like want help, help me now, help me now. And we are really trying to play the long game, like, what are the things that we are going to do that will benefit teachers in a way that wants them to stick around next year and me writing that IEP for you it might be like that little fix that you need in that moment and we definitely do like you know we definitely do stuff that is not every single thing is aligned and we make those decisions like you know this is not going to save the world but it's going to help this teacher on this day and so yeah we're going to do it but like always reflecting on what we need to say no to and like how do we keep a long view on educational you know systemic improvement is really important and it's not going to happen in a year like we've done year contracts and we we still are but i'm it's getting to the point where it's like okay if you're not signing up for three years like it's just not where we 
you know, people think you're just going to come in. And of course you can get so much done in a year. And I think people are realizing, right. Like that it's a longer, a much longer process than that to really um, transform how you do things. Cause like we're working with in year one, it's like, okay, special education teacher skill. That's really important. And you can make a lot of, a lot of headway with that, but you know, kids are in gen ed most of the day. So there's this whole, there's not really that, there's not really much of the entire educational ecosystem that isn't intertwined with special education because kids with disabilities are in like most of the, most of their classes are in general education. So it's, it's, you can't just sort of keep it isolated. We can't just be those folks in the corner, you know, doing sped and like everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think you are aware that it is a unique situation with you starting your business and, and having these opportunities. Um, but with great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> that, that part of it too. How are you balancing spending time? I love the term spending time in your business and on your business, the growth. How you you must be doing a lot of work on all fronts. How do you balance that where you're doing kind of the direct day-to-day -day working with your business, but also planning for that growth and planning for those contracts and planning for the future. Are you still working with the business coach now? Um, yes, I work with a different business coach now. Um, and then, um, and that was really because uh, the new business coach is a founder of an ed education company also um and so that was just a really good match um it's just awesome to have someone to like bounce ideas off of and like really um she and she really helped me with the whole like um what was the concept we were talking about before um like selling thing yeah the the idea of selling anytime I sort of get weirded out by sort of putting numbers in front of people or whatever. She's like, but you do believe that this is going to be good for them. Right. And I'm like, yeah, of course, like, of course it's going to be good for them. Um, so she's like, so, you know, you, you have, you're selling like something that you truly believe in. And so she's really good at helping me keep that in mind. Um, and she's just a brilliant person that has, found, you know, similarly found a passion like niche area um that she's been able to grow into a massive business so it's pretty cool we have very different businesses because she's a software software company um but uh yeah so i i'm still working with her um and in terms of balance i mean i'm shit at balance um i you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times that I don't like hit it right. My, my, I would say the way that I balance is by focusing more on the people than on anything else. Cause they're, they're on both sides of the house. And so really sort of focusing on our team and how we are developing and making sure that they're feeling good and like, they know what they're supposed to be doing, which is, I've got, I'm one of those people that has like big ideas in my head. And I'm when I'm always like three, three steps ahead. And people are like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, 
hold on. I went like, you know, six months from now in my head and I forgot to like bring you all along with me. Um, and so I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, so really investing in people, like making sure that they feel good, that we're investing money in the right places so that they can do their jobs better and feel good um, is, is a work in progress. But that's sort of how I try to, I don't try to balance it as much as I try to just pay attention to what they need. And sometimes we need more money and you need to get out and like sell. And other times, um, you know, they need, they need me to like invest in a system that is going to make organization for them easier, or they need me to lead a conversation with a, uh, a leader that is they're struggling with. And I need to like step in and, you know, just like facilitate conversations or lay down the law. I think that is so important. The coaching, like, well, I guess what you're doing in your business and mentorship. And I've never really had that experience where I've had a mentor in the way I'm looking for it necessarily. And I don't think I've, I've actively searched it out and what I'm doing is pretty unique. And so finding the right fit, but I think like you talked about, there's transferable skills in so many of these areas where um, someone who's just been there and done it and been successful before can be such a help. Um, I wanted to talk about your team next because the way we were connected was you reached out to me um, looking to see if you could hire one of the women in our program or the women I'd taught and, and really with a social justice focus in mind that you wanted to help someone have an opportunity that was from a marginalized community that hadn't had those opportunities open for them in the past. And I always tell our women, it's all about networking. Like your networking is gonna open everything up. And if you're not, unfortunately, if you're not born naturally networked, you need to really work for it. And so I really am proud that through me, our women are networked in a lot of different situations, but you're the first person who's have hired one of our women. And when you reached out and kind of talked to me about the work you're doing, I thought of Christina, who now goes by Tina. I know it was Christina and I knew her, you know, when she was in middle school. And she um, was an amazing young woman that had a brother with severe special needs. And an interesting story for me because she's the, the type of person who really was successful in our high school, academically strong. Um, and to me, if she was my kids and going through a very privileged school and, and um, having parents with access to privilege as well, then she would have been graduating from college already. And, and her path did not go that way. And she dropped out of school, I think, very early and then got pregnant and was a very young mother and is, seems very happy in her life, but not following her career and kind of was getting into the pathway where she would be a stay-at-home mom and, and um, not that she was choosing that pathway necessarily. And so it was so exciting to me when you reached out because I think she was working, possibly she lives in Orlando, she was working at Disney or something like that and kind of yeah. just doing odd work. Um, but um, I was so excited that she would have an opportunity to see herself in a more professional environment and something with upside and that the, the empowerment that comes with that and self-worth that comes with that would get her kind of back on the track that she was on previously or that she should be on or wants to be on. And, but it hasn't been without problems as well. I know that, that our students are amazing, but also there's a lot of deficiencies. Um, even I think about our academic, our top academic students at the school I taught at Montbello, I feel that if they were at a more privileged school, they would be further along academically, just being pushed in different ways or have options, different options that they didn't have at our schools. And we did a lot of things well, but um, I typically taught to the lowest level of students, so we didn't push our upper students as much. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about the reason that you wanted to, to hire someone who didn't have access to the same privilege and then kind of how that process has gone? Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> we love Tina. Um, so, you know, I, when I think about, like I said, like we really want to model in the, in the business sort of what we believe about things and, and who we are as people. And so finding, um, finding someone that didn't necessarily, that wouldn't be like browsing my Indeed website, right? Like there's a lot of people that have a lot of experiences um, that would probably be sort of a, a more natural fit for the administrative role that we were hoping to hire for. Um, you know, finding someone that truly like was like looking for a second chance or just like needed someone to, you know, work with them on something was really appealing to me. And it's something that I hope we get to do a lot um, because you just don't know who is your next, like, you know, COO or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I was super excited to meet Tina, particularly because she brings the family perspective of um, being in a family with a with a sibling that has a significant disability and seeing the special education system from that perspective. And she has a really unique perspective that was incredibly important. We have we have folks with disabilities on our team, but to until that point, we didn't have anybody that was sort of tangentially a part of the system as a family member. And so that was really exciting to think about. Um, and so we started off just sort of had her as a contractor um, or not. She wasn't, she was just like a part-time employee sort of working hourly and we would um, give her stuff. And it was, it was, it's hard because I had no idea. I, I was very out of touch with like, what does, what does someone that, um, that did not finish college, um, and has a, you know, it was a high potential high school student. What does she know? What can she do? And so we really approached it. Um, I think differently than some others might have in just saying like, we're going to invest, we're going to take whatever we, whatever, where, wherever she's coming from. And, you know, we're going to try to learn about her a lot before we, before we start. So we threw her into some stuff um, that was, you know, more difficult and, and we realized, oh, okay, like need to do things a little bit different. Um, and it's always with the knowledge that like, when people are denied access to opportunity, like she just hasn't had the experiences that other folks have. Um, and it has nothing to do with like her capability. Um, we just need to work a little slower or, um, and, and she's incredible. She could easily be right. Any, you know, going to a university and being a top student there. And so we started with just the place of like, we're just going to see how this goes and work with her and what was amazing was sort of the the at the beginning like oh we got to slow things down or we got to shift course a little bit and how are we going to do this to um i remember when her manager came to me and was like you know she had these two sort of tasks that were similar um 
but like for different clients. And so she was really like using the information that she had learned in the one to ask questions about what she was being like tasked with on the second. And it was just so exciting to see those, you know, like those critical thinking skills emerge. And they're, they're obviously there, but the fact that she was, she, she's not the type of person that's just going to like do it because you say so. She really does want to understand everything and um, really like, yeah, internalize what she's supposed to do. And when she does that, she's able to be critical and like, say like, I have a different way or like, this is going to be better if we do it this way. And so, um, yeah, it was, it wasn't something that I was like surprised to see because I obviously have these beliefs about, um, and you know, there's just so many kids out there or young adults out there that are just waiting to demonstrate like how much they can bring to an organization, any organization and certainly project idea. Um, and so it was just cool to like, you know, see that sort of like come alive the way that I expected it to, but like, you know, it's always, um, there's so many messages that are telling us like all the time that like kids can't learn. And, you know, if you're, you know, these perceptions about, you know, young moms and like all the things that you know, we have to acknowledge actually do change the way that like, even though I'm a deeply, um, you know, I consider myself, you know, pretty aware of things like I have, you know, inherent racism within me, and I need to check myself a lot. And so, you know, even as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking like, how am I talking about this? Am I talking about this in a racist way? And I'm not, I'm not actually sure. And I hope someone tells me, but you know, I don't, you know, I don't, we're all just like, I'm just failing and like learning, right? That's like the whole, that's like the whole point. But you're also doing the work and and, and I, I, I have the same thoughts going through my head when I'm talking about this subject is, yeah, am I using the right wording? Um, and so much of that is privilege again, but the, the, the work that needs to be done, I think is, especially I've seen this through DPS and their um, internship programs that young people, especially from marginalized communities and my heart's in Montbello. And so I'll use Montbello as an example. Young people from Montbello need to have opportunities in real businesses. They don't see so often the value of school or they're forced to be there. And so there's not a love for school, unfortunately, that most of the kids mm -hmm. that I've interacted with and our top students maybe, um, but there's a, a group right below them too that don't necessarily see the love from school and they kind of are ready to challenge anything and they've been screwed over by the system so many times. Yeah. And they need to have real experiences. They need to have um, failures, real failures. And if they can fail sooner and safely. realize- Safely, sooner yeah. and safely, yep. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a big investment from a company standpoint to hire someone, the interns, and, and you're actually hiring them as a- as an employee, but the, the investment is big and you don't necessarily see that return on investment for a long time. It'll be there, but you have to be in it for the long term. And most companies kind of see it, oh, I'm helping out people because I'm hiring people that wouldn't have this opportunity, but they're not ready to commit to 
the training of them, or they're not in a situation where they can. And so I'm excited to see companies like yours, and especially in the small business world, where you're founded on that social justice mindset, and you're founded on that. And so everything is built around that, which makes it harder, as you as you acknowledge at the start, it doesn't make <laughs> it even more difficult, because you're competing against people who not necessarily, who don't have that same situation. But, but I really think that that is a, a way to change the world is to empower young women like Tina, and then see where she goes with that when she has all the knowledge, plus she has the struggles and has learned from those and can move the world forward. I think there's there's so much opportunities for that. And also we're in a, in a world where hiring is very difficult. And so um, I really see this huge opportunity too, where you've got all these amazing young people that aren't having access to these that can can do anything. They're, they're very conscious of the jobs they want to take though, and they don't want to just do anything. And so that's tricky um, a part of it too. But and I've had for interns, I've paid for interns to work with me too that have not not done what I needed them to do or have been successful in that capacity. But a year or two later, now they're reaching back out to me and saying, do I have anything else? And then they're ready at that point too. So, so often it's just, I just got an email the other day from one of my former interns um, and like, how are we doing with Mama Bird? What's going on? And just like, obviously checking in because they're they're ready to kind of jump back in with me. And I feel that's so much of the work. Um, did you talk to anybody about doing this before? Or do you, does your coach have experience with anything hiring students who didn't have access to the skills that you needed? Or how how, how did you just, just, just was your own thing? Yeah, yeah, I just, I, well, I, I, I'd actually been following you and was thinking, you know, it's, it's actually difficult to like connect with, with, um, communities and to like actually know um which is not like which is i think an area that we need to grow in right like how are we connecting in the communities that we're serving so that we're building relationships and then you know i have a network of my own folks but at this point you know i've been in leadership positions for a long time and like i'm not sort of embedded in a community the way that i should be um, and so knowing that you had a community was like a great way to sort of um, do that and seeing you sort of passionately like working with um, students and like giving them opportunity was like, yeah, I want to do that. Like, when when am I going to get to like, you know, do that basically, you know, um, and and it's um Tina brings such a rich perspective. Um, and I think that especially when you talked about like um, the system and stuff like that, like our kids are, are really struggling and they've been, they have a lot of trauma associated with their education and, um, and especially kids with disabilities. I mean, they really have had so much taken from them and so you know part of part of the work that we need to do is like is really undoing and thinking about education in a different way like obviously we focus on special education but like I said there's not a lot in the ecosystem and just because you know kiddo a can keep it together doesn't mean he's as not as bored as kid b who is you know throwing bits of paper across the room like school has you know is is not very fun for a lot of kids these days and it's like if you're born into a family like one of ours you know that you have to just like sit there and suck it up my kid's not looking forward to going back to school 
right? And so like school has got to change if we're really going to change, you know, education in this country. And, you know, I hope we can be a part of that in some way and make whatever comes down the pike um, more inclusive for kids with disabilities. Um, Because, you know, the difference between a kid, you know, that's just struggling and a kid that has a disability is like, you know, a couple of percentage points or whatever. Like, I don't, I think of like diverse learners, like everyone's a diverse learner, just whether you can fit in or not. Right. It's just whether you can like, you know, like whether your learning style happens to work well in school or you, you know, have parents that have basically like, you know, instilled in you that you have to do it. And, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's not fun. Um, but when I think about diverse learners, I think making school fun because nothing that you like, no education, no education is, is, is great without being fun. I don't know. It's, it's a topic that we've talked a lot about actually in Project Idea and, um, one of my, one of the people on my staff, Jen Petrella, um, she talks, she, we, she sort of pushes us on the fun piece a lot, which is really good. Like, you know, what's it, you know, like what, maybe we need to figure out how to make education fun. Yeah. And uh, I see myself falling in this trap too, where you did it a certain way and you're like, well, I had to deal with eight hours of this too. And so you have to do it too. And that's the world. That's tough life. And I'm like, no, it shouldn't be that way. And I, I see that completely. Um, yeah. What I wanted to close up, because we're running out of time here, uh, is the future of Project Idea. Where do you see, if, if everything goes well, how big do you want this thing to go? How, where, where do you want to go from here? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I want it to grow. I want it to be big enough to have a larger impact, but I don't want it to change. I don't want the fabric of it to change. Um, I think, you know, we've thought there's so many like tech tools that we wish that we had. And so we're like, we have to become like a tech company. I don't really want to do that, but like, maybe we have to build stuff, but it can never be like, we're just that. Like, I kind of want to be what is needed whenever it's needed based on the moment. And that could change a lot. Um, but yeah. I mean, we are starting work in different states. So we're getting out of Colorado this um, this year, which is exciting. Um, so I, I think the sky is the limit um, as long as we kind of continue to keep our values and like what we care about most at the center. Um, and I don't really want to run like a massive company either. So, you know, I think we'll... Like, I think maybe 50 people sounds pretty cool to me. That sounds pretty, that sounds pretty ridiculous and amazing. So I'm going to say 50 people, 50 team members. It sounds pretty badass to me. I didn't ask. That's the last thing I'll leave you. Do you consider yourself (laughs) a badass? Do you see that in yourself? Uh, Depends on the day. But, you know, I submitted something to... CDE the other day 
that like last year I submitted the same thing and we didn't get it because I didn't know what I was doing. And it was like kind of a joke to even attempt. And I had, you know, artifacts this year and all of these different things. And it wasn't just the piece of paper. It was like all of like the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours that had been poured into building it. And that felt pretty badass what we've done in a year. So today's a good day. Today I'm a badass.